Welcome to the Antioch Word, a podcast for the Antioch College community. My name is Rachel Isaacson. I'm a co-host and Miller Fellow here at WYSO Public Radio Station. Today we'll hear from Heidi Lovey, class of 1999. I spoke to her in the YSO studios during the 2018 Antioch College reunion. In this interview, Heidi tells us about her co-op experiences and how they impacted her life going forward. My name is Heidi Lovey. I graduated in 1999, and my major was self-society culture. So basically, people, places, things all together Nice. with a focus in anthro. We learned theory. Like, I wound up, you know, you had to pick one, not to major in, but really to focus on. And so anthro was my focus. And uh, you had to do field work. And so the field work I chose to do was when I did the Kyoto Seika exchange program. And I went to go study in Japan. Part of the exchange program while I was in Japan with Antioch, I wound up doing field research out there. That all kind of fell through. Very long story short, like I wanted to go study the Yakuza when I was out there. So I started hunting down basically mafia members and going to like tattoo parlors. In Japan? In Japan, in Kyoto, trying to find like Yakuza. And then... (laughs) I, like, I was hell-bent on doing this, like, anthro, ethno-anthro project on, like, Japanese, like, mafia who, like, chop their fingers off. And um, Kyoto, the, the school got wind of it, and they said, if you do this, we're going to send you home, because, I mean, this is not a joke. This is, this is not... You don't get yourself involved with the mafia. You don't get yourself involved <laughs> Japanese or New York or otherwise. And so I was like, okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go down to downtown Kyoto, and I'm going to go try to find the Bosuzoku, which are like the drug runners, basically. <laughs> so, I'm going to seek them out. Yeah, so I tried to go find, like, to do that for my field work research. Um, and then they got wind of that, and they're just like, okay, that's just as bad. Like, you need to do <laughs> something a little bit more tame. And then my professor, Harold Wright, the famous storyteller, and Harold was just absolutely an amazing educator and just all-around stellar human being. He's still here in Yellow Springs. And so Harold had, like, left halfway through the program, and we wound up with a new teacher, and he said, you know, if you're really looking for counterculture, there's a Japanese cult I can hook you up with. And so why don't you go meet this cult um, that does, like, gold macrame and follows baseball? I mean, like, you know, I'm shortening it, but... um. Yeah, so I did my field research on a Japanese cult. <laughs> nice. And wrote my senior project on um, Japanese national character. So what attracted you to Antioch in the first place? Uh, I'm actually a legacy student. My grandmother attended Antioch, and her mother, my great-grandmother, attended Antioch. Growing up, it was not something that was really on the radar. You know, I knew that my grandmother had a very, very deep sense of activism, She sparked my interest in Japan, actually. After she graduated, she was part of the civilian occupation force in World War II, and she went to Japan. And that's actually where she met my grandfather. And when they came back, they lived out on Long Island. You know, some of the work that they did, for example, you know, they're a white couple, and this was in, must have been like late 50s. So they signed up with the NAACP, And they would go do real estate scoping, where they would go into an area on Long Island as a white couple, 
and scope out a house to see what the kind of broker would say about it, what the pricing was. And then before or after them, uh, black couples, African-American couples would go in. And it was all done under the auspice of Fair Housing Acts. You know, there was a lot of activism that was always kind of in the family. And, you know, when I was in high school, it finally came up and my grandmother was like, you know, a lot of the activism I learned came from my time at Antioch. So, and I was like, what's Antioch? What's this crazy place? And I applied and got in and I didn't even prospect. Did you go to Japan over one of your co-ops? Well, my first co-op actually was for <laughs> was for the Tucson Autobahn Society. And I went down to Arizona and worked for the Audubon Society doing environmental education, but they worked very closely with the University of Arizona at the border in Nogales, doing a lot of um, environmental activism, environmental research. There is a lot of issues happening at the border with women in particular. So, and then between like doing like border issues, I was leading birding tours in the desert. So I was stuck for a first co-op and the girl who lived next door was from Tucson and she said, my mom works for the Audubon Society. If you can afford a plane ticket down, you can come live with us and you can work for the society and like we'll figure out grant money for you. So I was just like, well, great. Like, right on, I have a co-op. I have a co-op. So that was the first co-op. And then second co-op, I went to New York to work for the Coalition for the Homeless, who I still do volunteer work today, like 20, 20 years out. So I worked for the Coalition for the Homeless, basically doing advocacy. And I think back to some of the stuff that we were doing, where we'd rock up to men's homeless shelters at three in the morning and do something called Callahan's to make sure... They were um, formal checks that we would do on the shelters to make sure that the city was in compliance with the laws. So that was my second co-op. And then my third co-op, I wound up going out to Portland because I had kind of gotten a, a yen for knowing and understanding homeless issues. So I went out to, to Portland because Portland's really known for it's youth homelessness that's out there, especially LGBT. It was interesting. You know, it was an interesting experience. And then it was my last year that I wound up in Kyoto on the, the exchange program. This is just, I was telling my friends this yesterday. They said, we never heard this story before. This is crazy. But what happened was after the program, we, when we went to Japan, we went on 90-day tourist visas. And that's how we kind of got in. And it was a 90-day program. And we bought tickets on Korean Air that were open ended so we could just return whenever we wanted to. So what I did is I think maybe at day 85, um, I walked into a, uh, a travel agency and I said, I have $300. I have to leave the country and come back in to renew my visa. Where will this get me? And they said, um, you can go to Taipei. And I was like, I don't even know where that is. Fine. So four days later, I found myself in Taiwan <laughs> alone, sleeping on the floor of a youth hostel, <laughs> just having this crazy four-day adventure, and then coming back into the country to renew my visa for another 90 days. So in the end, I wound up staying in Japan for about six months. Because that next 90 days, I um, traveled quite a bit, but I wound up teaching English under the table to mm -hmm. high school students. So I wound up teaching English for um, a group called the English First 
Foundation that would teach English to high school students before they would go on to study in Canada or New Zealand or the U.S., wherever they were going. Yeah, and then I came back and finished out school. And somewhere in there, I had applied to the Japanese Exchange Teaching Program, which is a program through the Japanese Ministry of Education for new graduates to teach English in the public schools. And when I got accepted, it only had a 15% acceptance rate. So I didn't really expect much of anything. It was a little bit of a shot in the dark. Um, But the embassy accepted me. So I graduated, and I actually had a job fresh out of school where I wound up flying back to Japan, and I lived in Japan for another two years, teaching English in the countryside. Were you able to speak fluently over there? Well, when I, <laughs> when I went to school with Harold, I learned all the, the dirty words that you could <laughs> imagine. I learned how to drink pretty well. I didn't learn the type of Japanese that you could say in mixed company. And I had a Japanese family in Tokyo, and I, <laughs> I was at my friend's house, my, like her mom's house, and I walked in, and I needed to know where the bathroom was. And I said, sumimasen keiro bencho wa doko, which is, excuse me, where's the pisser? <laughs> and, <laughs> and she was like, no, 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 we have to work on this Japanese. So I wound up, in, in that time, I did become fairly fluent. Um, <laughs> my Japanese greatly improved. And when I moved back to the U.S., I actually, I moved back to the U.S. in August of 2001, and I moved to New York October 2001, so just one month after 9-11, and I wound up moving to New York after this, like, kind of horrific historic event, and the apartment we lived in was right across the river, and we were downwind of that, so we had to, like, close the windows most days, and it was just... This really feel the energy of the event. Well, it wasn't even the energy. It was just like that stuff burned for months and it's nothing months. months and it's nothing like a lot of people talk about. You know, there's a lot of things that happen that, you know, if you were not there and outside the collective memory, it's pretty hard to understand what was going on at the time. But I walked right into that after I like having left Japan, right? Like I walked right into the situation. Back to your home to to see this and um but I wound up getting a job (laughs) very quickly working for a Japanese tea company for the next three years Mm. um and I was one of three non-Japanese bilingual women in the company and I hit that glass ceiling so hard so fast it almost knocked me out like there wasn't a lot of movement and this, this company, it's actually, it was like the Coca-Cola of Japan. What wound up happening is I left the company because I knew I didn't want to work in corporate structures anymore. And I left and I sat down and I said, so I was maybe about like 26 at this point, something like that. I said, you know, what do I want to be when I grow up? And Japan, when I had been in Japan, I'd been snowboarding and drinking and just general hooliganism. Um, and a friend of mine pulled a hamstring while snowboarding and I was like sorry Selene you're out like you're out for the rest of the season and this friend was back up riding within two weeks and I said what the hell did you do and he said acupuncture you need to come meet my acupuncturist so I met his acupuncturist while I was in Japan and this guy Kuribata sensei was just this physician this Chinese medicine physician was just he was astounding um, 
and it really imprinted me. So when I was trying to decide what I wanted to be when I grow up, I was like, well, what do I want to be? I think I want to be a Chinese medicine practitioner. I wound up landing a job at J.P. Morgan in the investment bank. Just accident, very serendipitously, it was a temp job that I thought I'd go in, make a little bit of money, but because of my business experience from the tea company, and I had already applied and I had been accepted to Chinese medicine school, but I needed to make money first. So I went to the department at J.P. Morgan in this investment bank, and I said, listen, I'll cut a deal with you. By the way, who the hell does this? But I did this. So I walked <laughs> in, and I said, I'm going to cut a deal with you. And they go, okay, what kind of deal do you have? I said, this is the deal I have. I will rebuild your department. I will put everything together from scratch. I will help you create one of the best departments on Wall Street. I will work 120 hours to do it. I will tell you exactly what I need to do in terms of resources, and I'll come in under budget in exchange for that. I want from January 1 to be able to go to Chinese medicine school, and I need to be able to work here no more than 28 hours a week, keep my 401k and my dental. And they said yes. They said yes. And it to this day, I'm shocked at it. So I held up my end of the bargain, and I worked my face off. Um, and again, it was a work ethic I had learned on co-op, like learning how to you know, navigate like both academics and work experience at Antioch. So, you know, I was taking those skills into this real world, and then I started school and I stayed at the bank. And I actually went to Chinese medicine school while working at an investment bank for four years. And now, where I'm at today is I've been in private practice as a Chinese medicine practitioner for 10 years. I have a 4,000 square foot wellness center in the middle of Manhattan that I've built out. I teach women's health and gynecology in Chinese medicine. I advocate for trans health. I teach trans health to Chinese medicine and other medical practitioners. And I also supervise in the clinic at the college. So I have my hands still in a lot of pots, but it really all started with a co-op experience in Kyoto and getting in trouble. That was Heidi Lovey from the class of 1999. You're listening to the Antioch Word. You can find more podcasts like this on WYSO.org and NPR One.